we're, we're looking at heroes of the faith. And uh, so we're uh, in Hebrews. So if you want to start, start turning to Hebrews chapter 11, we'll actually finish up chapter 10 and then go into chapter 11 a little bit today. Um, just to review what we, what we talked about up to this point, uh, for those who are just uh, catching up with us here, we looked at the, the entire book of Hebrews and we saw how faith in Christ is not only an important thing, but it is the thing. It is the essential part of the gospel. Uh, it's the, the, the th- component that holds everything together. We, we walked through primeval history in Genesis 1 through 11, and, and we saw how Jesus really is the seed of the woman who would defeat the serpent, which is Satan. And we, we went through patriarchal history the, from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Esau, and how, how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant as well. And the Pentateuchial history, throwing out a lot of big words at you last week. And, and the Pentateuchial history, talking about the five books that Moses wrote and, and how all of that uh, points, to, points to Christ as well. And all the system of sacrifices really pointed to Jesus Christ as well. And then the prophetic history, uh, really from Joshua to the end of the Old Testament, and, and how all of the prophets really pointed to one key figure in human history, and that was Jesus Christ. Amen? And so, uh, so that was such an important, uh, an important part. Everything points to Christ. Uh, he is the centerpiece of human history, which was authored by God himself. And Christ is God himself, 100% God and 100% man, making him the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Amen? And yet, some were considering at that point... They were considering just, let's take off the portion about Christ. Let's keep our religious heritage. Let's keep the Jewish heritage the, the, that, uh, that they had. And, and because of uh, Emperor Nero and the persecution that was going on, they thought, let's just take out that portion of Christ. And then once you read Hebrews 1 through 10, you come to the conclusion, you cannot take Christ out of the picture. Amen? He, you, you cannot. Everything else has meaning because of the fact that it's pointing to Jesus Christ. And we found that the, the writer of Hebrews left us with, with two things. When we think about the persecution, is there a right way around that? And no, really there isn't. But he did leave us with two things. Number one, he left us with hope. Uh, I'll share in 719, just to, for example. We read, for the law made nothing perfect. That's the Old Testament law. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. And what we find in the Old Testament is that we're sinners, amen? Every single one of us. We're guilty. We don't deserve to be in the presence of God. And God, through this system of the Old Testament sacrifices, showed a way for us to come into his presence once again. And we start outside the temple. We start outside the tabernacle. And, and we come in and through sacrifices and through priesthood. And, and we enter the holy place. And, and only the, holy, or the, the high priest could enter the holy of holies. And he, he opens the veil. He crosses into the holy of holies, which is where we find the presence of God represented in the three articles found in the Holy of Holies. And, uh, and so we have this process laid out, but all of that, that's just an image. It's just a picture. It's a diagram, so to speak, of Jesus Christ. And how the only way to come to the Father is through Jesus Christ. He's the only way. And so you can't, you can't uh, leave him out. It's like building a city wall without a gate. Uh, it, you can't, it does not 
work. So he left us with this hope that we can draw near to God. And then we begin in chapter 11, where he shows us heroes, examples, people who are fallible just like you and me. In fact, as we read, as we start reading through Hebrews 11 and start studying these names, you will not find a, a, a list of people who were perfect. Amen? When you read these names, every single one of them, they're sinners, just like you and I. But they're heroes of the faith because they, they humbled themselves to the point where they put their faith in God. And that's really what the gospel is all about. So we're going to see, the, see this understanding. But before we jump into that, before we see what the heroes are, uh, we find that there's a description of faith, and we have to understand what faith is in order to talk about heroes of the faith, right? It's like going to uh, a, a hall of fame of football. If you don't know how to play football, if you don't know what football is about, it loses meaning. So we're going to see first what faith is talking about. So let's read together. In, in Hebrews chapter 11, and we'll start in verse, uh, verse 1 through 3. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So we, here we find a description of faith. It's not necessarily a definition of faith, but it is a description of faith. But it's important to understand this in its context. You see, the faith that we find in Hebrews chapter 11 is contrasted to a different kind of faith that we find at the end of chapter 10. And so we have to understand the difference between these two kinds of faith because this is something you want to make sure you get right theologically, Right? Uh, this is an important thing. And here's, here's why. Well, let's look at uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 38 and 39. I'll just look at the last two verses of chapter 10. And this is what we read. Now, the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Wow, here we find two different kinds of faith, right? I'm going to call them, uh, the first one, I'm going to call it simple faith, all right? Simple faith, and then we find saving faith. Now, these are contrasted here, and they're very different from each other. And yes, there's a sense in which saving faith is simple. But what we're talking about here in contrast is the simple faith, I mean, a type of faith that is simple in the sense that it is unsatisfactory. It doesn't work. It doesn't do what we're hoping that it would do. So if there is one point of theology that you want to make sure you get, you get right, it's this one, right? I mean, in some theological areas, there's room for some disagreement, and it's not as big of a deal. Uh, for example, the Grace Brethren, they believe in three ordinances. The Lord's Supper, like we do, and commun uh, the communion. Baptism, just like we do. And the third one is foot washing, right? Now, I don't personally believe it's, it's uh, an ordinance, but if someone does believe that it's an ordinance, then what's the result? They unnecessarily have to wash someone's feet. That's not the end of the world, right? It's not that big of a deal. Now, some of you are saying, uh, yes, it is. Have you seen my husband's feet? <laughs> okay. And unfortunately, we saw, we saw Alan Troop's feet today, didn't we? But, um, no. but you know, it's, it, what we find is, is there are points of theology where there's some room for discuss, discussion, some room for disagreement, and the, and the results aren't the, aren't the major major thing. But when it comes to the faith and understanding what the definition of faith is, we better get this one right. Amen? 
Because this is the key to understanding salvation. And, and without understanding it, we could be in big, big trouble with God. Uh, and, and so, it, it, you know, washing someone's feet, that's one thing. But you get this one wrong, and eternity is at stake. So what do we know then about simple faith? Let's make sure we understand the difference here between regular faith and simple faith. So let's look at the verse one more time. It says, now the just, those are, that's the Old Testament word for those who are saved, right? We use it in the New Testament word. It's a New Testament word as well. Uh, for justified means we've been saved. We, we are just. The just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. See, there's a type of faith that, that draws back. It's a type of faith where, where you say, I'm going, to, uh, I'm, I'm going to put my trust in something, but yet I'm going to reserve a little bit of trust in myself here. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, the type of faith, I call it sometimes a foxhole prayer, where you're in the foxhole and you say, all right, Lord, I, I, get me out of this. I'll put my trust in you. And then the moment you're, you're safe from, from flying bullets, uh, then all of a sudden you go back to living your life the way that you, you lived before. You, you've, you've seen people who have, who have done that. Uh, um, but it's a, it's a type of faith that, ha- that has hesitancy, always wanting to make sure that there's a backup plan or an escape route, right? Um, for example, I think of... Uh, Here's a picture. I don't know how well you can see it, but this is the Niagara Falls, and there's a, a man going across the Niagara Falls on a tightrope, right? On a tightrope. Crazy man. His name is uh, Nick Walenda, as he's crossing from the, from the Canadian side to the American side, uh, North, or to the United States side of the Niagara Falls. And he was doing this. And so when people did this, a lot of, you can imagine how this gathered a crowd together to see this happen, Right? Here's a man who, who's got enough faith in his ability to do this. If you zoom in, however, you'll notice that there's a tether from his, from his waist going down to the cable. So if he were to fall, he would only fall about three and a half to four feet. Does that make sense? Now, how many of you are less impressed? I mean, you can admit it, right? We're Americans, right? We're Americans. We, we don't praise people for their talent. We tra- praise people for their, their foolishness, right? Their, their, crazy, their craziness. Why? Because in life, it's just, it just makes sense most of the time, right? Just makes sense to always have a backup plan. So his plan A was to walk from one side to the other side without falling. That's plan A. But it's important to have plan B, Right? That's kind of the thought uh, process here, and in many cases, that's wise. But this is not so in the case of faith in Jesus Christ. This backup plan, like, I think I'll give Christianity a shot. I'll try it out a little bit and see if it works. But if not, I can always go back to my, to, to my keep myself as the center of the universe, right? That's not the type of faith. That's a faith that draws back. It's a simple faith. It's, it's a, an insufficient faith. It doesn't work. I remember one time taking a group uh, to Algonquin Provincial Park, and uh, it's a canoe trip and backpacking trip, and we do it for about eight days. And I've been on a lot of those trips. And uh, there was one place where we we take them whenever we're taking this route that goes through a particular lake. There's a great cliff jumping spot, and you get up to the the ledge, and you only have to jump out about three feet to to clear some of the, the rocks there. It's a pretty easy jump, and it's about as high as maybe we're where, where the, the screen comes down there. So it's not super high. 
Some of you are saying, that's really high, but <laughs> it's not super high. So it was a good place to take people. And uh, there was one girl, you know, who would, she'd go to the edge, and then she'd look at it, and then, you know, no, 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 I feel safe up here. I don't, I don't want to jump. And, but you could tell she really wanted to. And so there was another girl who said, look, why don't you just jump with me? And look, I will go, and on the count of three, we'll hold hands, we'll jump. And okay, okay, I'll do it. And, and so they, she, they, they got together, they went to the edge. And one, two, three, and at that last second, she decided to hesitate. Why? Because there's part of her that felt safe up here and didn't feel safe out there. And, uh, and, and you know what? She was safe up here. She didn't have to jump. She would have been safe jumping, too. What's not safe is that hesitancy. Because she hesitated, of course, the other person jumped, and they're holding hands. So that person, it pulled her just enough to bounce off a few of those rocks on the way down, right? Now, um, um, now some of you are thinking, I'm never letting my kids go with Pastor Dave on an Algonquin trip. <laughs> I wasn't in charge of that trip. There, is that a good enough? No, but here's the deal. Real faith, real genuine faith, when it comes to our faith in Christ, is a both feet in. You can't say, well, I'm going to trust in myself. I'm going to reserve some trust. I'm, it's, it's you're either all in or you're not in. You can't do both. You can't, you can't toggle between the two. In fact, anyone who's ever watched Amer- uh, America's Funniest Home Videos knows, right, that if a person is on a, on a dock, and, uh, he's safe on the dock. If he wants to go into a boat, right, if he puts one foot in the boat, you can stay there for only about a millisecond, right? You have to then choose to get both feet in the boat or keep both feet on the shore. But the moment they put it one foot in and then they want to see if it's stable, what, what do they do? Well, they kind of put their weight back here. And as soon as they put their weight back here, that foot kicks the boat that way. And what happens? We all get a good laugh, right? right. Why? It's, that's the nature. It's the nature of things. You can't really have it uh, both ways. So when we look at this, uh, uh, we realize that this does not, that this type of faith that draws back doesn't work. Instead, I'd like to use an example of Hernando Cortes. He was a Spanish, uh, uh, a Spanish explorer who came from Spain to Mexico and uh, with the hope of, of actually conquering the, uh, the Aztecs and Montezuma. And, and no one thought he could do it because others had tried and failed. And when he got there, he recognized that there was a lack of commitment on the part of, of his men. There, there's no way we're going to make it. They have to be all in. Why? Because they've got this kind of faith that draws back. Now, whether you agree with what his mission was or not, that's not the point. What, what, I, what, what I do agree with is that the level of commitment that he required came in, the, in, the, in, in, came in three words. Some of you know the story and know what those words are. You know what, what words he gave as a command to his men? Burn the ships. Burn the ships. What was he doing when he said that? He's basically saying, all right, men, there's no way out. There's no going back home. We're burning the ships, which means if you're going to survive, you're going to survive here. They did not like that command. No one liked his, even his high up uh, officials, they did not like the command. But you know what? They burned the ships. All of a sudden they're committed and they succeeded in their task. When it comes to our faith in Jesus Christ, that's the type of faith we're talking about. We, we need to, to burn, burn the ships. No, no more going, falling back on my own thinking. Isn't that what 
we find trust is in both Testaments. We can go all the way back to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And what do we read? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. If you're going to trust in the Lord, that means you can no longer lean on your own understanding. I mean, trusting in both is kind of like saying, I'm going to trust the Lord on the boat, but I'm not letting this other foot leave the shore. Right? And what happens? That's worse. That's, it's, it's much, much worse. This is the type of faith that we find. So uh, we, we read then in uh, Hebrews 38. What else do we know about simple faith? There's another description of it in verse 38. It says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, what? My soul has no pleasure in him. That kind of faith grieves the soul of God. He hates that. Uh, he, he hates the, the spineless kind of faith that, that, that I'm, I'm, I'm only going to trust to a certain extent. That grieves the soul of God. But you might remember in Revelation when he's writing to the seven churches. Remember those? The, one of the churches was Laodicea. And he wrote to them and he said these words. He said, I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Talk about strong words. Amen? These are strong, strong words. Why? Because what God is saying here is, I, I would, I mean, on the shore, okay, that's something. The boat, that's another thing. But you try to straddle between the two, come on. I mean, if you decide to, to live your own life, at least you have the however many years God gives you on this planet. That's it. But then if you get into the boat and you put your faith in God, and now you have eternity. Yeah, obviously that one is better than the other. But, but this idea of kind of straddling and doing both, that just makes no sense. And, uh, and, it, and, it, and it grieves the soul of God to the point that he speaks with such strong language in Revelation. And uh, let's contrast this then to the faith that we find in Hebrews 11. Uh, I know we're going to get into Hebrews 11 more in the weeks ahead, but I want to look at Hebrews 11, verses 5 and 6, just so you can see the contrast between a faith that grieves the soul of God, a faith that, that he finds no pleasure in, and what do we find in verse 5? By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony, that he pleased God. We don't know much about Enoch, but what do we know? We know that he pleased God. God with his faith. By faith, it says. And, and then it goes on and gives the point in verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What God wants is full faith. He doesn't want this half-hearted, simple faith. He wants a, a re the real deal. That's what he's looking for. So, so the saving faith is a type of faith that pleases God. Not that simple faith. And then we look at the results. Let's look back at Hebrews 10, verse 39. This is what we read. For we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. You see how there's two different, ki two different results. You believe in one kind of, you have one kind of faith, you're going to have one result. You have a different kind of faith, you're going to have a different result. And these two results couldn't be more extremely different, could they? Well, the first one we find is perdition. If you have that simple faith, you have the type of faith that draws back, then it leads to perdition. You know what that word means? It means to be lost. It means lostness. 
perdition. And uh, in fact, our Spanish-speaking, we have some Spanish-speaking people in here. Uh, the, they know that the, the word for to lose something or to miss out on something, like if you miss an appointment, it's perder, right? P-E-R-D-E-R, perder. Why? Perdition means to lose something. And so you want to be lost. That's what sim- simple faith leads to. Simple faith leads to being lost. That saving faith, what did he say? We are not of those whose faith draws back. We are those who truly believe to the, what? To the saving of the soul. We couldn't be talking about anything more important than this. Amen? The saving of the soul. Uh, This is, this is what we find described here. um, This is what we find in Hebrews, Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. Um, by way of illustration, I, I've used this illustration before, but we have a lot of visitors today and a lot of people who, who haven't seen it, and, and sometimes we just need a reminder. So I'm going to use a simple illustration why it's important to have these two different kinds of faith. Um, many of you know that I love to, to rock climb, right? And uh, I, I, I love climbing and, and different things. And there's two, two different ways to climb. There's, there's one called top roping where you just have uh, the rope comes from your your climber up to the top to an anchor all the way at the top of wherever you're climbing and then comes down to your belayer which is belay it's French for for anchor and uh, and so there's that kind and then there's a kind of of, of a climbing where you call it uh, you call it lead climbing that is where you climb above your anchors so you have to place your own anchors in the rock as you go and so the idea is you know whoever's holding uh, holding you your weight your belayer represented by my left foot has the rope, and then it comes up to you, right? And then as you climb, you, you put in an anchor, and then you string your rope up. So as you continue to climb, as represented by my right hand, you climb. If you fall, you fall twice the distance to your last carabiner. Does that make sense? You fall, and it catches you. And that way, you're pretty safe. It's, it's not, a, not a bad fall, unless you climb like 20 feet above your clip, then you're going to fall 40 feet. That's not comfortable. Yep, so some of you know, right? So, so here's the deal. So, so when I was learning to lead climb, I took a class at a place called Planet Rock. I also took a class out in Yosemite, in, uh, Yosemite Mountaineering School. And in there, he's walking through this. And one of the things he said, he said, it's very important that you take your rope and you don't go from the front to the back when you clip it in, but that you always go from the back towards the front. Okay, is that... So it's a simple, simple instruction. And uh, so I remember just saying, I, you know, I wanted to know everything about this. So I said, well, why is that? And he shared this simple illustration, and, and it worked for me. He said, see, if you put it in from the front, all right, and then you continue to climb, when you fall, it's possible for that rope to land right on top of its own, what they call this, they call this the gate. It could fall right on top of the gate. If you go from behind and you clip it in, no matter how you fall, no matter what angle, all the weight's going to come right here on this pressure point of the carabiner. And then he held it up, and he showed. He says, so we put it in forwards. I put it up like this. And when you pull, you see that? Wow. You know, you put it in from behind. Every time you pull, no matter how you fall on it, it's going to catch you. See, that's, that's saving faith right there. You... You, you do the same thing, and you put it in, and, and you start climbing, and in that moment, whatever day it comes, and, and you, start to, you start to fall, 
this is bad news, friends. This is bad news. Which is why my back is so sore. <laughs> no, um, no, it wasn't from that. But, um, but I'll tell you what. Um, there's a difference between a type of faith that says, yeah, I'll take your information. I'll give it a shot. And faith that says, wow, I better, I better make that a part of how I live my life. Right? It, it's a very different, uh, different kind of faith. Here's my concern. Let me just be really open and honest with you. I believe that there are probably people in this room that have clipped in, so to speak, metaphorically speaking here, clipped in from the front to the back, and you've continued on, and you're climbing up, and and you feel totally confident that when the day comes, whatever day that may be, whether the Lord comes back or or whether you die, that you think that, oh, well, I'm safe. Why? Because I have faith. But if you have a Hebrews 10 faith instead of a Hebrews 11 faith, it's like clipping in that and, you're, and you have a false sense of security. And you have to make sure that your faith is placed in the right thing, in the right way, so that you can know. Because you know what? I love climbing, and I don't, my heart rate doesn't even go up typically when I'm climbing. Why? Because uh, uh, it might be because of exercise, but um, it doesn't go up because of fear. Why? Because I know that if I fall, I'm going to be caught. I always make sure I have a good blayer now. So I always make sure that's, impor- that's important too. But you can have no better anchor than God himself. And so, uh, so what we find is, is that there's two kinds of faith. One is, is, is going to lead you to perdition. It's going to lead you to lostness. It's going to lead you to feel like you're confident, feel like you're fine. And in that final day, you're going to fall. Isn't this what we read about in Matthew? He said, many have cried to me, Lord, Lord, but we'll not see the kingdom of heaven. And in that day, they're going to stand before Jesus Christ and say, wait a minute, we thought we were coming in. And he's going to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. Wow, I don't want anyone that's in this room to be in that crowd. And so that's why I I say this from the bottom of my heart. We have to understand this concept of faith, that it's a genuine faith. It's a both feed in. It's, It's going to say, Lord, I am no longer trusting in me. I trust in you. Amen? And that's what it's all about. And that faith is changing. So this is the type of faith that we bring into the context of chapter 11. So now let's look at chapter 11 again and look at the description of saving faith. This is what we find. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. So here we find, uh, this is what we call a typical Hebrew parallelism. And so the writer of Hebrews obviously knew Hebrew, and so he uses uh, Hebrew parallelism. And, and so they basically look at, they take one sentence, one propositional truth, we, they call it, uh, one truth, but you look at it from two different angles, and it gives you a little bit better view of, of understanding it, kind of like 3D glasses does. It gives you two slightly different views, but it makes everything pop out, and you have somewhat of a 3D image. This is what the writer of Hebrews does, but in words. So we find uh, the first description, that it it is the substance of things hoped for, and that is parallel to the idea that it is the evidence of things not seen. So faith has substance. Think about that. In fact, the same word is is translated as confidence in chapter 3. Uh, Faith is is the confidence. It's the substance. It's, it's to say, you know, I can feel confident. Just as a climber can feel confident as he's climbing. Why? Because he's got faith in the gear that protects him. It's protecting his life. And so faith is that confidence that comes, uh, comes out of this. It's a, 
It's the substance of what? Of things that are hoped for. Now, by the way, the, the, the word for hope is different than what we use it oftentimes in English. When we use the word hope, that we sometimes use it interchangeably with, with strong desire, right? Like when you ask kids uh, in December, what do you hope to get for Christmas? What does that mean? It means what do you desire strongly to get for Christmas, right? Uh, you might remember the Christmas, uh, Christmas story, the, the movie, and what did the boy want? wanted that BB gun. I forgot what it was called. Uh, some whatever. <laughs> BB gun. And everyone had told him, uh, you're, you'll shoot your eye out. Right? Um, but this is not that. Hope, what we find in the word hope is, is the idea that it's a trust in something that you know is, is trustworthy. It's the hope, uh, for example, that when I'm climbing, if, that, if I fall, I have hope that my, my gear will hold up. It's not a hope that says, well, I hope it, I hope it holds up. No, I know it will, because if not, I shouldn't be climbing. Amen? And so, faith is the substance of things that are hoped for. It's believing in the promises of what God has, has said to us. And then it goes on and gives a second description. It says, it is the evidence of things not seen. By the way, the word evidence is not the same as proof. See, proof is conclusive evidence, right? But evidence is just, it means anything that makes something evident or apparent. It is the evidence of things not seen. And so the fact that it's not seen is what makes it faith too, right? Because you're not trusting in what you see. Have you ever heard the saying, seeing is believing? That's not necessarily true. In fact, how many of you, if you were betting people, and I know you're not, right? But if you were betting people, would bet that the sun will rise tomorrow. Well, none of you? No, of course you would, right? Right, the sun will rise tomorrow. But you can't, you don't have any proof of that. You have never, you can't see it happen because it's a future thing. Um, but there's evidence. It's evident. Why? Because we have seen it over and over and over again. And that's really what we find, that there's this delicate balance uh, when it comes to faith. On one hand, what we find is it's, it's not blind faith. Uh, it's not blind faith, which is the idea that we hope that God will do what we want him to do. In fact, it's how everyone se- seems to misinterpret Philippians 4.13. I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You, and you've heard people use that and seen people use that to think, well, that means if I'm going to want to win the national basketball championship, uh, whatever the Stanley Cup is called in, in basketball. And uh, yeah, I forgot what it's called. Yeah, so... But, uh, yeah, hockey is the divine sport. We all know, right? But, but whatever it is, you know, yeah, I'm going to win that. And, and I've always thought, well, what if there's a Christian on the other team and he hopes just as much as you? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. That's not what the, the verse is talking about. It's, it's not this blind faith that God is going to do what you want him to do or just belief that everything's going to turn out great. There's some, some memes I found online on faith. I just looked up uh, memes on faith, and this was one of the top row. It said, sometimes the best thing you can do is not think, not wonder, not imagine, not obsess, just breathe, and have faith that everything will work out for the best. You know, this idea, I, I'm just, if I have faith, faith is that everything's going to work out in my favor, when maybe the things they should have done was think and wonder and imagine. <laughs> maybe they should have done some of those things. Or, or here's another one. Uh, When we hear someone say no, it just means it's not time yet. Each and every no is a test of our of our faith. Stay strong and hold on a little bit longer. And 
there might be some truth to some of these in certain circumstances, but each and every no, sometimes no just means no. Sometimes no means God is saying, don't go that way, right? Uh, but instead, if we look at everything like we have our desires, what we want, and anything that gets in the way of that is, is just, uh, that's just a test of my faith. No. Our faith is not a blind faith in what we want. Uh, it's not that. It's a faith in the faithfulness of God. See, there is substance. There is evidence. But it comes from God. It comes from the very character of God. Uh, and so we trust in a, in a faithful God who has always kept his promises. Amen? In fact, read Deuteronomy 7, 9, and verse 9. We read, Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commands. God never fails. He's always faithful. Whether it's not just in your lifetime, it could be for thousands of generations, God will always remain faithful. We think the sun is faithful, which is why all of us would bet that it'll show up tomorrow. You know what? God is even more faithful than the sun. There could be a day where the sun doesn't show up. God will still be there. He's faithful. And so, so on, one, on one hand, it's not a blind faith. It's not a faith that God will do what we want him to do. Um, but it is, it is that we don't, a, a situation where we don't have proof either. Otherwise, it's not walking in faith. It's walking in knowledge. And, and, uh, and oftentimes, we, we have to walk in faith because there are times where God's going to tell us to do things and we just don't get it. Um, let's be honest, folks. And there are times where, where God tells us to do things and we don't get it. Or, or, or we think, and we say, really? This happened? I mean, we read about crossing the Red Sea. What? But we believe it by faith. And then later, scientists go back and find out that the entire Egyptian army is at the bottom of the Red Sea, right? Um, they, catch, they, they catch up. But sometimes we don't get it at the beginning. But it's, it's, our evidence is the faithfulness of God. That's the evidence that we have. I love the way A.W. Tozer put it. A great theologian, he wrote this. He wrote, true faith rests upon the character. Whoa, I just thought I was going to slip off of something. I thought I was at the edge there. True faith rests upon the character of God and asks no further proof than the moral perfections of the one who cannot lie. It is enough that God has said it. Have you ever had someone in your life that you just trusted them with your life? Because they were so faithful, they were always so honest, and you say, I trust this person with my life. Right? Now, multiply that times infinity, and you have an understanding of what the faithfulness of God is like. Right? The faithfulness of God. We don't have proof but it's not a blind faith. And we find that, that balance. And we have an example right in the, the very next verse, in verse 3. It says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Was any, anyone here present at the creation of the universe? And we have some older folks here. Okay. Anyone here present? No, not a single one. I see one hand. All right. Yep, and so we'll have a confession time afterwards. Of course not, right? Of course not. I mean, we, we weren't there. How many of us believe that, that God formed the universe? Yeah, of course. Why? We take that by faith. Is there, is there evidence? Yes. Is there proof? No. But is there evidence? Yes. There, there's, there's evidence of that. And... Um, and so what we, what we find is, 
is that faith is the key to understanding. We take it by, we take it by faith. Here's the conclusion, basically. It comes down to this. Faith is not believing that God will do what we want him to do. It's knowing that God will do what he's promised to do. And, and, and at first, it might seem like, oh, man, that's a downer, Pastor Dave, because I, I always loved, I liked it when faith was believing that what I want to happen will happen. But what we find is that when we, what we want to happen is not always best. Reminds me of, uh, of a story of a small child who, who saw his first wasp and said to his dad, Dad, I want one of those. And the dad said, no. Why? Because the dad knew more than the child. He knew what having that wasp would do to him. Do you think that God, being around since, well, since eternity past, do you think that he knows a little bit more than you or me? Yeah, I'd say so. So we need to trust in him, saying, you know what? It's, it's not as good of a thing to say that whatever I want will happen. That's not faith, but it's a faith in God. And you know what? That's a type of faith that will never draw back. And, and I've seen it when people stand up, even in situations where their faith is called on the line, and if they continue to, in their faith, they'll be put to death for it, and people will do it. Why? Because our faith is in someone greater. Our faith is in someone greater than ourselves. Think of Daniel, thrown into the fiery furnace. Remember his words? I have faith in my God, and he has the power to save me. And even if he chooses not to, I trust in him. Wow, that's, that's faith. That's life-changing faith right there. You know, there, there are several applications. I want to talk about some applications first in salvation and then in sanctification. Applications in salvation. By nature, we feel like we need to earn our salvation, don't we? Well, like, oh, there's something we have to do. We, we have to earn it. But God says that we receive salvation solely through faith. And so we have to come, even in salvation, we have to come to this point where we say, we say, Lord, I'm not trusting in myself anymore. I'm not good enough, and there's nothing I could ever do that would be good enough, but I'm putting 100% trust in you. And it's, it's saying, I'm, I'm getting off of the dock, and I'm putting both feet into the boat, and I'm going to trust in you. Take me where you want to take me. It's no longer about me, it's about you. Amen? That's what it is in, in, in salvation. We have to, to let go of our understanding and grab hold uh, with both feet of God's word with, with both hands. That's what trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding means. You no longer lean on your own understanding. You know, as a pastor and as a missionary, I've talked with a lot of people while they were on their deathbeds. And there is probably where it's clearest to see the, the, the difference between simple faith and saving faith. And I've had the opportunity, even with some, some members from here, where, where I sat down with them in, in, in some of their last hours, and, and I've, I've heard, seen them and heard them say, Pastor Dave, I'm ready. Why? It's the end of life. I'm ready. Why? Because I have a faith and a trust that this is not the end. I have a trust in eternal life. And I know that life is just beginning for me. And I'm getting an upgrade in my body. You know what? I'm telling you, I know this is old-fashioned. But I believe in that too. I, I, with, 
100%. I'm putting my trust in that. Why? Because God has always been faithful. He has never once failed. Like we sang just a little bit ago, our God has never failed, and he won't start now. We have total, total faith. And I've jumped into Christianity, not because I'm not a great Christian uh, out of deserving anything. I'm, I'm a sinner just like everybody else. But I am a saint in God's eyes because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for me. I just had to put my faith in him. There's no bragging points in that. It's all about humility. Amen? And, and it's all about what God has done for us. Boy, I've seen the difference. I've also seen the flip side of that, where people have, have struggled with that. And Christianity to them was a cultural, cultural life for them. It was just something to do and, 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 and holidays to celebrate and, and a basic moral ethic to live by. And it was nothing more than that. And you see them on their deathbed and all of a sudden they're thinking, did I throw my life away? Should I have done things differently? Should I? And, and you just see that there's a total lack of faith. Well, you know what? If you put your faith in God, and in Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross, then you can have total faith that does not draw back to perdition. You can have a faith that is consistent even to the saving of our soul. That's the message of Hebrews 10 and 11 and seeing the contrast between them. That's our application in salvation. But you know what? The same faith that saves us will continue in our lives. Doesn't it say the just shall live by faith? So we can live by faith as well. So in the process of sanctification, which is the process where we become more and more like Jesus Christ, we we start to become more like him, uh, we find that there are times in life where we will be tempted to lean back on to our own understanding. It's like the person who puts one foot in the boat, realizes it's a, it's a little shaky, and, and they, so they lean onto their own understanding. Don't we sometimes do that in life? I mean, God's, God's word says, turn the other cheek. And we say, I think revenge sounds better. I think revenge is going to work better on this one, Lord. So let me try that one instead. Don't we do that? Or God's word says, give. Uh, give generously to those who are in need. And we say, mm, but I better save for a rainy day, right? Yes, I have all my needs are taken care of today. And my brother has a need, but, but yeah, I better save for a rainy day. You know, or, or God says, do not be unequally yoked. I've heard this one before. And then, uh, and, and then I'll hear the person say, yeah, but there are no good Christians that are single left. Right? Have you ever heard that one? But God says, don't be unequally yoked. Yeah, but. And anytime we start saying, yeah, but, what are we doing? We're leaning on our own understanding. We're leaning on our own understanding. And, and so in sanctification as well, let the same faith that saves us drive us in our relationship with Christ and become more and more like him because there are going to be times where we just don't get it. I think there are times where I'm like, Lord, really? This is what you say? And, and then we find, whether we obey or disobey, we find that the consequences teach, oh yeah, God knew what he was talking about back there. And I didn't. That's where we go back to faith. So what about you? I'm going to ask two simple questions as, as, we, as we begin to close the service. First one is, have you ever fully trusted in Christ for salvation, or do you still reserve some of that trust in yourself? Have you jumped into the boat, or have you kind of straddled the two? Have you ever come to that point where you said, said Lord, this has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ. I place my faith in what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. 
Today is the day. And I'm going to give you an opportunity in a moment. If that is you and you would like to make that decision today, don't walk out of here today without knowing for sure that you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ. If, if you do, I'm telling you, and I have to leave you with this warning. I, I, I hate to say it, but it's like climbing up that rope with, or climbing up the wall with your rope hooked in wrong. And that day may come when, and, and I, I, God forbid it, it may even happen today, but that day may come where you have to trust in something and you, you'll find your trust was in something wrong. And you don't want that to happen to you. And so today, if, you're, if you have any doubts, today is a day to set those right. In just a moment, we'll have a time. You can come forward or you can go to the back. We're going to sing a song and, uh, and you can go to the back and we have some men and women with, with an, a lanyard that says, ask me. Ask them. They can show you from God's word in just a matter of a few moments, show you from God's word how you can place your faith in Jesus Christ. Second question, this is more for those who know for sure that number one is dealt with, but if you know for sure and, you, and you, your faith is already placed in and God, then I want you to ask this question. Have you, ever fully, or have you ever fully trusted in Christ in your day-to-day choices? Or do you reserve some of that trust in yourself? And maybe there's some of you today that are thinking, you know what, I know for sure. I trusted in Christ for salvation. And I'm not trusting in me at all. But I'm not living that way. I'm not letting that same sa- faith that saved me lead me in my Christian walk. And if that's you today, then today is an opportunity. I'm going to ask you just to come forward and just pray to the Lord. It's between you and him. You don't have to include me or anyone else. We won't, we won't bother you. But I want you to come forward and just say, Lord, this is between you and me. But this, there are some things in my life where I've been trusting in me instead of trusting in you. And so I'm going to have, ask you to, to, to come forward during that time. So let's, uh, let's bow our heads and close our eyes and pray. And then in just a moment, we'll, we'll sing together and have that time of invitation. Lord, I pray right now. You know, I've prayed this multiple times, even this morning, that if there's anyone here today that is relying on an incorrect faith, I pray that that you would remedy that for them today. I pray, Lord, that every single one of us that walks out of the doors today would know in our heart of hearts that we are trusting in you that that would give us the freedom to live our Christian life. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together.